Hello, hello, hello. New episode, Sprint Riot Option podcast. Uh, it's a full house today. Uh, I am Andrew Pasquini, Jason Aponte to my right, Brad Graham below me, and Jordan Elliott, uh, bottom right corner there. Uh, it, it's a very exciting episode, guys. Uh, it is the camp episode. Uh, I have three of the hardest working men in 49ers Twitter as we speak. Uh, they're all going off. They're all viral. They're all just super cool. Uh, I'm really excited to talk to all of you. We'll start with the generic. How's everybody doing today? Are we having a good day, Jason. I'll start with you because uh, you're the uh, reigning defending champion of being the co-host of this podcast. <laughs> For now, until these guys, one of these guys steals it. But, uh, you know, amazing day today. Uh, it's been a blast to be there at camp. Um, a lot red in my face. Didn't really wear sunscreen today. Got to meet some people. But uh, overall, doing good. Jordan, how, how are you doing? You're always looking good on this podcast. You know, uh, if you want to be the best as the hosts of the SRO pod are, you got to dress like the best. So, you know, I'm just trying to match the intensity that you guys bring every show. Uh, but I'm doing fantastic. It was a uh, it was an electric day in Santa Clara today, as I'm sure anybody who's been on Twitter has seen. Uh, there's a lot to be excited about today. Yeah, that's what I heard, too. And we'll get to that. Brad, last but not least, certainly not least. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. It's always hard to follow up uh, Jordan McShay over there, always looking on point, looking good per usual. But they, I'm going to echo exactly what they said. It was a great day of football today. We saw a lot of things, and we took away a lot of stuff from camp today. I'm excited to get into it. Yeah. Hey, one more thing. My bad, Andrew. One more thing. For the people that are looking on YouTube right now, if you're in the live chat, make sure that you like this video so you can help us out and pump up the uh, the algorithm. That'll help us get some more eyes as well, too. Sorry, Andrew. You're good, bro. Isn't algorithm the villain in the new Space Jam movie? Isn't that the thing? I don't know. Uh, I was trying to make a current reference. My bad, guys. I'm not that cool. Uh, yeah, so you guys talk about an exciting day of camp. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start with Jordan here. Uh, and the question for all three of you. Outside of Trey Lance, because I'm gonna add, we're gonna have the whole quarterback discussion here in a minute. Uh, what what was the biggest takeaway you had from camp today? Well, we'll for, for uh, Jordan first, the 49ers defensive backs are really good. I know everybody's making um, uh, I don't say a huge deal, but there's a lot of concern about like the depth, uh, particularly at cornerback. But I thought that the the defensive backfield has just been awesome uh, this entire week, first week of camp. Uh, Jason Verrett looks like a bona fide number one corner. Um, he's walking around with that swagger you want in your number one um, corner option. Uh, Jimmy Ward, uh, you know, I know he's finally getting the love he's long deserved as of late, but I can't uh, overstate how good he has looked, how just uh, incredible it is to have a weapon like that that can play that single high safety. You can drop in the box. He can rush. He can guard guys in the slot. You can isolate them outside. He's doing great things, but the one guy I wanted to highlight who people really might not have heard about or be aware of is uh, Tavon Wilson, who is right now taking the reps that normally would have gone to uh, Jaquaski Tart, who we know is out right now currently on the COVID list. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tavon Wilson has looked phenomenal today. Uh, they were doing a drill where they were running one-on-ones, uh, and he had a fantastic rep against George Kittle. We stuck him on the whole way through his route and ended up breaking up the pass. And then in 11-on-11s, he had a great rep as well uh, where Jim, I forget what the intended receiver was, but Jimmy uh, Garoppolo threw a ball where Tavon Wilson had his eyes on him, read him the whole way and left his assignment to break on the ball. Uh, almost got the interception, but he ended up breaking up the pass and he's just looked very solid. So I would just add real quick that while I think Dubois Tart is a phenomenal player, 
Um, I think the 49ers are now in a position where I don't think it's a given that Tart just comes back and has that spot locked up, which is exactly how I would have felt about a week ago. Um, I think that there might be a legitimate battle for that starting safety spot opposite Jimmy Ward now. Uh, and ultimately, uh, as much as I do really like Jaquaski Tart and think he's talented, I think that that's ultimately the best thing for the team. If you have two guys who can really push each other like that. So that'll be a um, storyline to watch, especially for the people who are sick of the quarterback stuff. Uh, that strong safety battle is going to be very fun to watch. And then I would add also real quick, Ken Webster was taking first team reps today. Um, Emmanuel Mosley has been on the COVID list as well. Tim Harris was cut. He was getting some first team looks earlier in the week. Uh, Ken Webster looked really good today. He had two pass breakups during 11 on 11s. And he, in my opinion, has looked the best at uh, out of all the guys they've rotated opposite Jason Verrett while Mosley's been out during 11 on 11. So yeah, the defensive backfield has been phenomenal. I think those guys deserve some love. Perfect, Brad. What what about you? What, what what's some things that stood out to you today? So I've been really big on watching the offensive line group for the all three days that I've been there. And my biggest takeaway is Alex Mack. And what Alex Mack is doing for this offensive line, doing for this offense as a whole, you see his impact. Jordan and I looked at each other the other day and we said, we're watching elite center play right in front of our eyes. And it, it's really fun to see because the 49ers haven't had that for some time. We got a glimpse of it with Richburg in 2019, just prior to his injury. But unfortunately, it's been an up and down situation. So one of the biggest takeaways is what Alex Mack is and is bringing to this team. And it's night and day from an offensive line standpoint. Yeah, so, something told me in my stomach that you were going to pick offensive line stuff. I don't know what it was, Brad. Uh, I'm happy you 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 picked that. That, that excites me. Uh, Jason, what about you? Well, what was your biggest takeaway from camp today? Uh, Trent Sherfield is is pretty much a mortal lock to make this roster. You know, I, a lot of us believe that it would be straight up special teams, but the way that he's run routes, Jimmy, Trey, everybody who's been on the field has targeted him. He's run really crisp routes. And I know that the buzz a, a lot earlier was about Muhammad Sanu, but Muhammad Sanu and Trent Sherfield, that is getting a lot closer now. That that race is running a different uh, course as opposed to just, uh, you know, when it was a sizable gap. Um, after Muhammad Sanu. So Trent Sheffield has been quite a find in this camp. Uh, every time that I look up for one of the big plays, and obviously the one that everybody looks back to is the the play from yesterday's practice um, uh, with Trey wheeling out and throwing that, that ball to him. But I'm talking about other routes that aren't as flashy, running very good routes, intermediate, deep, and, and making big plays. Trent Sheffield is somebody who is going to make this roster and is putting other people who you would have probably believed as locks on this uh, team to be uh, a wide receiver. Uh, they're on notice right now. Perfect. And I have a question about the receiver position in a little bit here. So excited to get a more in-depth. Um, so, yeah, I mean, time for the big question, the quarterback position. Uh, that That's what everybody's talking about, as they should be. It's it's exciting to see what Trey Lance has done. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, obviously, he's, he's playing well there. Uh, John Lynch said he's playing some of the best ball they've seen him play in a while. Uh, Brad, we'll start with you. Just natural rotation here. Uh, what What's your takeaway at the quarterback position? Is this is this still a situation you think where it's Jimmy Garoppolo's spot to lose, or is it, it through three days of camp? Let's just throw that caveat or whatever. It's been a week now. Uh, do you think this is a lot closer than we've been led on to believe? Um, I think you alluded to to it right there at the end. I think it's a lot closer than we've been led on to believe, at least through messages through the media and you know, things that John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan have said openly. Um, 
I've, I've been there for three days. Uh, Jordan and Jason have been there the entire time, so I can only speak for the three days I've been there. But on Monday, I would say it was pretty even. Both guys had ups and downs. And so I, I walked away from Monday's non-padded practice feeling pretty even. Tuesday comes around, and Trey Lance just took off and went to that next level. And so what I was looking for today was to see if he could transfer that consistency over and he did just that. Jimmy, don't get me don't get me wrong. Jimmy Garoppolo is still making good, accurate passes. He's he's finding reads. He's 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 been threading it. He had a couple good passes to Ross Welly. He he bra- he threw it into bracketed coverage. It was a really good pass. But I think what we're seeing is the inconsistency still from Jimmy, and that's the really hard part when evaluating a 21 year old and a, a veteran who's been in the league for almost 10 years. Yeah, I mean. That that's the one thing I, I was reading an article like he's still 21 like that's seeing the things he's done just and I I'm not there I am still in Sacramento so I haven't I've only seen what has been put on Twitter uh, and and seeing what he's done like it, it's insane that he's only 21 Jason w- what about you uh, I I know you you've been there all week I know you had a few uh, RPO option uh, zone read tweets uh, a, a fun little you know, thing you could do with Trey Lance. What, what's your view on the quarterback position uh, a week into it? So, I mean, I can only go off what's happening. You know, Jimmy Garoppolo continues to take all the first team reps against the first team defense uh, with uh, Trey Lance taking one yesterday, one today, but both were run plays. It seemed like he wanted to see what it would look like against the number one defense. And they were both successful plays for what it's worth. But uh, as of right now, it's just that unfortunately Jimmy Garoppolo is who he is. And, and the problem is, is that people have, this conception in their head of he's going to do this. He's going to improve on this, but realistically there has to be a point when you guys have to understand Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be somebody who gets the ball out quickly, short, sure. He's tried to push the ball down the field in certain practices. And yes, he has some of the best throws in camp. All of those things can be true, but it seems like when Trey Lance steps onto the field, there's an electricity, there's a ceiling to this offense that just is not seen with Jimmy Garoppolo. You know, when the pressure comes, he makes a move, he throws the ball to, to somebody accurately, and, uh, you know, those zone reads are just, they're, they're unstoppable in practice, and and they, and they they've they been loading up the RPOs. Even today, I, I tweeted that uh, Debo Samuel and Trey Lance were off to the side working on option pitches where Trey is reading the defender and and pitching the ball up to Debo Samuel and another way to manufacture touches while he's going in motion behind him. That is something that Kyle Shanahan is just drooling at what he can get uh, set up for Kyle, uh, for for Trey Lance. So listen, Jimmy Garoppolo is who he is. He's currently still taking the the, the first team reps. I'll stick to what I said that I think he's going to be the week one starter. But as every practice progresses. At each practice that Trey Lance builds on because this was his best one and he continues to be good, the noise gets louder and it's going to be harder for Kyle Shanahan to, to justify starting Jimmy Garoppolo if Trey continues on this ascent. All right, and Jordan, we'll, we'll close with you on this. And I want to throw in the little caveat of, of Lance took one first team snap. Is that something you want to read into on top of, you know, what what's your opinion on the quarterback spot right now? Well, honestly, if you just watch the guy, so basically for people who haven't been to training camp or aren't familiar with how they do it, um, before they get into actual, um, you know, 11-on-11s and as close to game action as you'll find in a padded practice like that, they do individual drills. Uh, Position groups will break off, so the receivers will run drills with other receivers, running backs, quarterbacks, et cetera. So the quarterbacks are together throwing. We obviously know that there's um, Jimmy Garoppolo, Trey Lance, Josh Rosen, and Nate Sudfeld. 
watching the ball come out of Trey Lance's hand, it is so noticeably different than the three other guys. And that takes nothing away from them. It's just how special this guy really is. And it's just, he's a natural thrower of the football. And you can tell he's very comfortable out there. Um, and this is before you get into his um, understanding of the playbook, his cadence, understanding all these other great things that he's doing. Just simply throwing the football, he looks so much better than everybody else. And I think that uh, what Brad said is what I would back up as well. The first couple practices, you know, he didn't look, I said something about that the other day, he didn't look so um, objectively better than Jimmy Garoppolo during 11-on-11s and during some of these drills to where I'd be like, hey, he needs to start right now. But you could see that the talent was clearly there, and it was a matter of time before he pieced it together. Um, today was just one practice, but today um, I thought he was far and away the best player on the field uh, during 11-on-11s. He was 13 of 14, and the only ball he missed was a deep ball to Kittle. That was a 50-50 ball that, honestly, I, I think they ended up calling it pass interference, but could have gone either way. So he was essentially perfect on the day-to-day. -day. And it wasn't just that he was perfect. It was how he got to those numbers. And his ability to uh, evade the rush, buy time with his legs, fire balls into tight windows. Uh, he had a tremendous throw um, up the right sideline to, I believe it was Ross Dwelly, uh, Brad pointed out when we were watching, where he sidestepped pressure and maneuvered in the pocket. He didn't just panic and tuck and run and use his exceptional physical gifts that he does have. He also has the capacity to operate as a traditional pocket quarterback. And then you add in the bonus of his legs, of his big arm, and all these other great physical gifts. And then you couple that with the fact that um, you have coaches, Mike McDaniel said today, the offensive coordinator, that he's so familiar with the offense now um, in the first week of training camp that he's able to, um, you know, point out, hey, the, this route, you actually need to do this and help guys out on the offense and point out, hey, you should be doing this here. And, you know, kind of being that helpful hand, which is crazy when you think about that he's a 21-year-old rookie. So um, Trey Lance, it was his day today. And that takes nothing against, uh, take, takes nothing away from Jimmy Garoppolo. Trey Lance was just exceptional today. And I think today was the perfect showcase for anybody looking for optimism uh, as to why the 49ers mortgaged the amount of picks they did and put the amount of uh, faith into Trey Lance that they did, he just looked that good. Um, and then I will add real quick, too, I think that Jimmy Garoppolo has looked good at times during camp. Jason's been there with me all week. It's just that he's been very inconsistent, and he'll have a, an exceptional rep where he throws a great ball into a tight window, um, and then the next play, is he's hesitant, and he'll double clutch, he checks down. So I think it's just a matter of him getting some confidence, stringing those good throws together. It'll make for a much more interesting quarterback competition, but it's just been Trey Lance's excellence has been better than Jimmy Garoppolo's excellence. And I think that the ceiling is the word Jason used that really um, differentiates these guys. And then for as in regards to the um, first team reps, they said that he did it. They did that because they want to get him running these. It was his own keeper that he ran. It was his own read um, where basically anybody who doesn't know what that is, it's basically – a look where um, depending on an, uh, an identified defender generally on the edge, uh, Trey Lance is the quarterback will identify if he's going to crash in on him, he hands off to the um, – if he's going to crash in on the running back, he keeps. And if the uh, defender's hesitant and is more likely to read the run that Trey Lance is going to keep, he hands off to the, uh, the running back. And they've been running that a lot in the last few days at practice. So I don't think that it was, you know, like, oh, my God, Trey Lance is taking first-team reps. It's time – you know, the quarterback competition is here. I believe Kyle, when he said that, the thing that I would watch is that today he got an exceptional amount of reps on the second team with skill position guys. So George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk, Trey Sermon, these guys that have been running with the ones were catching passes from Trey Lance on the second team. And I'm just speculating here, 
but it seems like Kyle wants to get these receivers very familiar with Trey Lance and get some chemistry built up between them. So that would be what I would read into, not the first team reps, but the first team players running with the second team. Yeah, and, and, and it felt like a very big deal when that, you know, the tweet first came across yesterday that, oh, my God, Trey Lance took a first team rep. So uh, th- thank you for tampering my expectations a little bit and not getting very excited about it. Uh, going from the quarterback to the uh, guys who who catch the ball from the quarterback, the receivers, uh, the depth has been a question. We got we got Jason's answer a little bit, uh, but outside of, the, you know, the, you know, I, I'll even say the big two. I was going to say big three with Sanu, but outside of Ayuk and Debo, who's who stood out to you guys, uh, Jordan? We'll we'll just since you since you just finished up, we'll we'll pick up back with you. Uh, who, who's the receivers that stood out to you outside of uh, both Ayuk and Debo? Well, you know, I'll just make it quick because I know I just spent a good, good amount of time talking there. I want to hear uh, hear from you guys and know everybody else does too. Uh, Jason nailed it earlier. The first day of camp when I was there, I thought Trent Shurfield made the best catch I'd seen. I I still think it's the best catch I've seen all camp. It wasn't during 11-on-11s, 11 so it was a, it was individual drills. But he went up with one hand running across his body and went up and pulled the ball down with one hand like this and brought it back down. And I was like, you know, I know they got him, they brought him in as a you know guy with special teams experience, a lot of speed. But I'm like, hey, he's running crisp routes. He looks comfortable out there. He's been eating over the middle of the field. They've been feeding him a lot. And, um, you know, with Debo out yesterday, Debo missed yesterday with groin tightness. Uh, Sherfield got a lot of looks with that first team. But Debo was back today, and Sherfield continued to get looks and I would have to check my notes, but just based on the eye test, it looked like he got more run with that first team than Sanu did. And Sanu had been clearly that, you know, third wide receiver um, for the first week of camp or so. So Trent Sherfield is a guy that I think I, I agree with Jason. I'd be shocked if he didn't make the roster at this point. And I don't think it's just going to be as a special teams guy returning um, kicks, being a gunner. I think he's going to be a legitimate weapon in the passing game for this offense. And he looks explosive with the ball in his hands after the catch. So, I'm really excited for Trent Sherfield, and from what I've heard, a lot of people in the building are very excited about him as well, the coaching staff, the front office. So uh, that might end up being one of the uh, steals of free agency, the 49ers landing Trent Sherfield. Uh, Brad, same question to you. Who has stood out to you at the receiver position the most? Um, we might have to title this the Trent Sherfield segment. because That works. I'm okay with that. Same thing. Um, he's really separating. It's, it's a guy that – we knew he had he was an A special special teamer with the Arizona Cardinals before he came over here. We kind of anticipated that's the role he would be filling here with the 49ers, primarily special teams guy, gunner, returner, things like that. But everything that we've seen the for me myself the last three days and what these guys have seen before that, Trent Trent Sherfield is, is coming on and he's coming on hot. Um, like he said, he's doing everything. He he's he's working out of the slot. He's being able to to win against man. He's winning on zone. He's finding the soft spots in, in the defense. And his quarterbacks are finding him, and he's making the catches. And that I think that's the biggest thing is he's building up a rapport where these guys are feeling like they can count on him. And I think that's the biggest thing moving forward. Jason, do you have anything else you want to say about Trent and uh, just continue the love fest for him? No, I mean, I, I, I would like to give love to a pass catcher who's not necessarily a receiver. Ross Dwelly is having an amazing camp, getting in and out of breaks, and, and his hands are strong. He's made plenty of contested catches. Guys are targeting him. Ross Dwelly has really left his imprint on this camp. He's been something to watch, even during drills. One more person that I want to give love to, Kyle Juszczyk on one-on-one drills, is whipping Fred Warner, Dre Greenlaw in those one-on-ones 
Kyle Juszczyk needs to be utilized a little bit more. I think that we downplay his significance in the passing game. I've been very impressed with Trent Sherfield, but when you watch Kyle Juszczyk, he's not really getting the ball during 11-on-11s, but when he's in one-on-one drills, he is whipping your favorite linebacker, and that includes Fred Warner. Sorry, guys. And and the same thing uh, with Ross Dwelly. He is winning those 50-50 balls. He's playing very well. It's hard not to be jacked about these other skill position people. So maybe the wide receiver discussion is a little bit overblown because there should be a place for Kyle Juszczyk to line up in the slot, route up uh, route up another linebacker, route up a little safety because he does have that in his bag. So it may not be as dire as it, as it sounds, but those two guys have really stood out, including with uh, Trent Sherfield. So uh, Trent Sherfield getting a lot of love. Uh, Brad, I'm going to start with you on this one because it's only fitting. Uh, Mike McGlinchey, uh, you know, he's put on some weight. He's put on some pounds. How has he looked? Uh, I know yesterday was a pretty heavy uh, offensive lineman, defensive lineman thing. Uh, how's he looked with, with with the size? Because that was one of the big complaints last year was him losing the weight. Now it seems he's put it back on. How's he's lo- How has he looked? He looks like a monster. He walked over probably about a good 15 feet away from us um, at training camp to go say hi to a family member or something like that kind of by where the, the the fans are sitting. And I got to get a good look at Big Mike, and the name fits him very well because he looks like a monster. I would not want to pick a fight with that guy. He looks like – and he looks ready. And everything would also, with the way he's attacked this offseason, it matches his performance in practice. Now, as an offensive lineman, as a tackle, going up against some of the most athletic people on this planet in defensive ends, um, blitzing linebackers and blitzing nickels and cornerbacks and all those kinds of things, you're going to get beat every once in a while. It comes with the territory. It's part of the job. But what we're seeing is him being more consistent in winning and winning with great technique, placement, hand placement, let his feet look great. I'm, I'm really excited with the, the transition that Mike has made from a really hard 2020 season that he had. And I'm seeing the things that he left on tape to be desired, I'm seeing him pick it up here in training camp. Now, you say you wouldn't try and pick a fight with McGlinchey. Who would you rather pick a fight against, McGlinchey or Trent Williams? That's the question. Uh, neither. <laughs> Absolutely neither. I, I'm losing both of those fights, so it doesn't really matter. I, I could pick your poison. I'm losing no matter what. Uh, Jason, same thing to you. How, how's McGlinchey looking? I think it's less about, you know, everybody knows that the pounds are on there, but for him to go out there in press conferences and say, listen, I didn't handle everything well last year in terms of the media. I let things get to me. That's good. That's a good sign. You know, and again, we, we all know what Mike McGlinchey is at this point. Elite run blocker just needs to take a step in pass pro. He looks like he's uh, in great shape right now. Haven't really seen him whiff on too many block uh, too many blocks or anything like that. But also to give credit, D Ford has been really really good uh, opposite whoever it is that he's faced. So if he gave Mike McGlinchey problems, I wouldn't say that that's necessarily too much on McGlinchey as it is. D Ford has actually performed at a level that we couldn't have expected, especially when you think about a few calendar months ago what was thought. So Mike McGlinchey's been fine. He's saying all the right things. He's packed on the pounds. But uh, again, these guys get to go against some very tough, tough defenders. And Nick Bosa still hasn't participated in 11 on 11. So it's hard to really get down on guys when D Ford is somebody who is showing that burst from 2019. Nick Bosa is one of those guys eventually that's going to get on the field. So I think that uh, he's going to be fine. He's saying all the right things and he's packed on the weight. So that, that's the best I can say about McLinch right now.
Perfect. And then uh, Jordan, same to you. Just what, what's your thoughts on the Glenn just early on here, especially with the size? Because that, that, that was a huge talking point last year, uh, him losing the weight and his pass protection dropping. Uh, do you think the weight's going to help and how's it looked? So he looks like an absolute behemoth. He, he's always been a large man, but last year he looked he looked noticeably thinner. Um, he just looks like like a, a unit is how I would describe him right now. This man is clearly I, – I said he, he put on at least 15 pounds of muscle. He said he put on 25, uh, and I believe that – if he told me 30, I would believe it. He looks like a much different uh, person than he did last year. Um, and I think there's some give and take, truthfully. Uh, you know, Brad's the guy that I tend to, um, you know, run my offensive line thoughts by because he's, he's the expert on that subject. Um, but I, some things that I just noticed myself were he had – so I'll start – I don't know if you want to start with the good or bad. I, you know, I guess we'll get the bad out of the way. Um, I think with that added bulk, he has lost a little bit of speed. And I noticed a couple reps, uh, one with Samson Ebicom and one with D- – there's a couple with Ebicom, D Ford, and um, – Arden Key, uh, those guys are generally going to be edge guys. They're, they're a little bit more built for speed than power. And they were beating McGlinchey with that speed rush off the edge, particularly uh, there was one where Ford was in that wide nine tech. So he was out, lined up way outside McGlinchey. He'd be lined up outside where a tight end would be if they were to the right of Mike McGlinchey. Um, and I think that that's something that he still needs to work on a little bit when those fast, speedy, shifty edge rushers – get that quick burst off the line. Um, he had some issues with that. But on the good side, I noticed there was a rep where D Ford, and D Ford, by the way, real quick, I know we're talking with Lynchy, but D Ford, like, I'm not trying to get people's hopes up, but he has looked great. Uh, he sat out of 11 on 11s today. I think it was just a precautionary thing, but he went yesterday. He was a full participant yesterday by all um, accounts. He was running 11 on 11s, he did positional drills, all that stuff. So there was a rep where D Ford um, kind of did a, a stutter step off the line and he tried to cut in on McGlinchey. And what McGlinchey did was he got down low and he um, drove D Ford into the <clears throat> into the ground in front of him and completely just he, – he basically threw up a wall and didn't let him get by. And that was something I you know I mentioned to Brad. We were going over our notes and stuff. And he was saying that Mike McGlinchey had a little bit of an issue with that when guys would hit him with that quick move to the outside and then cut back in real fast. So the fact that he was able to recognize that, lower his base a little bit, and um, use his power and that big bulk that he has to essentially just pile D Ford into the ground in front of him, it was the cleanest pass blocking rep I've seen from him in recent memory. So while, again, there is some give and take, the speed guys are kind of giving him a hard time, and I think that that bulk has something to do with it. That bulk is also showing up when guys are rushing him inside. So um, it's something they could work around, um, especially when they're they're having the running formations where they have Kittle or Dwelly outside of them as well. It's going to be harder for those guys to bend the edge as much as they are when they're rushing in freely like that. But I'll be honest, and I know um, Brad feels the same way. I've never thought Mike McGlinchey was a bad player. I thought he got a lot of undeserved hate last year. If you go back and you watch the tape at Notre Dame, he never was the strongest guy in pass protection. He's always been a much better run blocker than pass protector. But I also think that uh, what ended up happening was last year he would have a couple plays that say, you know, 35 pass uh, pass protection reps. He was good or uh, great for 31, 32 of them. But he had three that looked really bad. And uh, like a lot of things in life, people really just focused mm-hmm. on the bad and didn't give him credit for the good. And that narrative just kind of snowballed over time. So I'm glad to hear that he kind of accepted the challenge head on and said, hey, you know, I let some of this criticism get to me. And instead of sitting there and, you know, letting it compound further. He went out, he hit the weight room, he bulked up and he's looked great so far. And he looks to, he just looks more invigorated this year, in my opinion. I'm really excited to see how he's going to play this year. 
Yeah, he, he had a couple of those plays that, you know, we, we've seen the highlights of, but I think he did more good than bad, especially in the run game, which, you know, is his specialty. Uh, Jason, we, we talked a little bit about D Ford, uh, but with new additions like Ebukam and Arden Key and getting Nick Bosa and hopefully D Ford back. How's that defensive line depth looking so far through camp? Because uh, that, that's the one position like we're doing our breakdowns probably the position we're least worried about the, on the depth on. So how's, how's that depth looking so far? How, how's it looking as a whole too? So, yeah. So again, a lot of people want to compare what they want this defensive line to look like as the 2019, and you're not going to get as top heavy as that top four of Buckner, Armstead, Ford, and Bosa. It's impossible to do that. But I would argue that this defensive line is more deep is, is the deepest it's been. Kevin Gibbons is rotated in there today. And, and I'll let Jordan and Brad um, talk a little bit more about it. But, you know, in the beginning of practice, they usually show some defensive looks that they are going to be showing um, and installing. And today they had some really, really interesting ways that they were lined up. D Ford was inside. Armstead was outside. Armstead was inside, you know, and and Samson Ebukam uh, hasn't really practiced the last two days with uh, he's nursing. He's working through some sort of ailment right now. But it, it's really going to be interesting to see. And I believe that this line is actually deeper than it was in 2019. It's not as top heavy because those are four studs. But now you've got your studs with a rotation. And again, in the fourth quarter is when that's going to really show itself when you have guys that you can rotate in. DJ Jones. Kevin Gibbons, Contavia Street. All these guys have really flashed in a big way. And I'll, and I'll pass it to one of these other guys so they can explain a little bit more what I was talking about when it comes to how they were how they were lining people up again, in what technique over what linemen and what sort of habit that's going to bring and what sort of things are up the sleeve of uh, D'Amico Ryans going forward with this uh, new scheme since he's taken over as defensive coordinator. Yeah, and Jordan, actually, I feel like good time to go to you because you did tweet about uh, watching the defense do walkthroughs and different exotic looks uh, and Demeco Ryan's putting his own stamp on the defense. Just pretty much read your tweet there, so didn't mean to say thunder. Uh, you want to you want to expand on that, and also if you could tie it into the defensive line and t- touch a little bit on the D line too, uh, that'd be great. That's my question, I guess. <laughs> yeah, so um, it's kind of hard to get into specifics without a visual, um, and I don't want to be you know tipping too much of what they're you know clearly trying to run through these walkthroughs. But um, basically with Robert Sala, uh, especially in 2019, they had four extremely talented um, ru- pass rushers um, in D Ford, Eric Armstead, Buckner, and Bosa. We saw that. That's the turbo unit. That's the pass rushing specialists. We saw how good they were. And what it felt like for the majority of the year, what they were running uh, was they would run those four guys. They put them in the wide nine. They put Bosa and Ford, Ford in particular, out wide um with Buckner and um Armstead closer to the three tech without there being really anybody in the zero tech nose tackle over the center um and it worked very well for them those guys were so good at rushing the passer that when they played guys that weren't mobile quarterbacks they were able to just kind of you know wear them down over the course of a game we saw how badly they beat the Packers a couple times Aaron Rodgers a Hall of Fame quarterback and he was he was having a nightmare of a game both times they played um and I think that over time, they got very comfortable just with the skill that those guys had. So they didn't really get into any kind of like exotic looks that were, you know, um, it wasn't really about trickery. It was literally just about, hey, we have four guys that we know are going to beat your five linemen. And they, they, the success was there. They were, you know, minutes away from winning the Super Bowl, as we know. Last year, we saw when Bosa went out, Arms had missed some games. Um, it, the depth wasn't there. Um, we saw them start to get a little bit more creative. They were bringing Fred Warner with pressure a lot more. They were blitzing K1 Williams, Jimmy Ward, and these guys a lot more. But it was still out of that kind of traditional um, cover three shell, um, single high safety look that we know Sala was, um, you know, content running. And he comes from that Seattle coaching tree. 
Ryan's has gotten extremely creative with some of the looks they were running through walkthroughs. Um, I'll just put it to you like this. They're putting a lot of guys at the line of scrimmage. They're standing a lot of guys up who normally would be lined up down. And it is um, something that I think is going to be very fun to watch because it's a situation where it's not just like, hey, these are the four guys. You know who's coming. You're going to have to beat them. It's a situation where the quarterback, the offensive line, uh, the guys calling plays are going to have to sit there and identify in real time who's coming, who's not. And when you have guys as skilled as Jimmy Ward and Fred Warner and some of these guys that aren't, you know, uh, defensive linemen but can still bring pressure, you don't know that those guys are going to bring pressure. They're gonna, they may be near the line of scrimmage, but they also have the um, ability to drop into coverage. Let's say you bring Ward off the edge, but Warner drops or vice versa. It's just going to create a lot create a lot of confusion. And uh, what I tweeted out earlier was just, it seems very obvious that D'Amico Ryan's plans on um, adding his own flavor to this defense. While he might run a lot of the stuff that was very successful for Robert Sala, he's definitely going to throw a lot more exotic looks at um, opposing de- or opposing offenses. Sorry, and they don't have the top end talent with the four down linemen they had in 2019. But I think the defense as a whole has a chance to just be better all around. And I'm going to be very very interested to see how they deploy some of these weapons like Ward and Warner and some of the and Kwan Williams and some of these guys who are great in coverage, but also have the speed to rush the passer as well. So it'll be very fun to watch. All right, and Brad, to you, defensive line, how's the depth looking? How's it looking as a whole? So the depth has been tested early and often since my three days at training camp. Obviously, D Ford and Nick Bosa, they're essentially on a snap count. Sometimes don't even show up in team periods like today. Bosa just got the complete day off. He wasn't even seen on the field. Uh, Kinlaw has been nursing knee soreness, I I believe. Um, So he as well hasn't really been that involved in in team periods and things like that. So and so and uh, Samson Ebukam as well. I haven't seen much of him. So the depth has been tested early. And my biggest takeaway from that is they have stepped up and met the challenge. I'm really excited about the interior defensive line depth that this team has right now. Again, and that's without Kinlaw essentially in the middle for a lot of these practices. Zach Kerr is a guy that has really showed me a lot of things. Zach Kerr is a guy I think might even be a little bit stronger than DJ Jones. DJ Jones, you know, a shorter, more stout defensive tackle, quick burst off the line of scrimmage, has moves, has the strength to back it up. Zach Kerr is a little bigger version of that. I saw him on one play top, Lincoln Tomlinson, absolutely got into his chest got Lakin pushed all the way back and then just pulled him to the ground through Lakin outside the way and off goes that curve. So things like that have been really impressive. Uh, Mo Hurst, Ke- uh, Kevin Given, they, they seem to have like this, this nice little core group. Uh, Contavious Street, we don't even talk about, we haven't really mentioned Contavious Street. He's been running in the, the starting turbo package with Given. Um, so they've really been trotting out some decent depth. And it again, for being tested early from the days that I've been there, they have done pretty darn well. Arden Key, even on the edge, showed me a couple things. He beat Jalen Moore really bad in one-on-ones. Um, I'm a big Brian Burns fan, uh, DN for the uh, Carolina Panthers. He, he showed me a move that was like reminiscent of Brian Burns, where he tried to beat rookie Jalen Moore with the outside outside speed move and as right as Jalen bit to throw hands Arden just hit him with a mean swim and he was gone it would it would have been an instant sack so I'm really liking what I'm seeing out of this defensive line unit again with a with our main pieces being on on a pitch count so that to me 
gives me a lot of um, I just feel really good about the position. I'll just say that. Yeah, it's it's definitely by far the deepest position uh, for the 49ers. Not too much worry there, but it's something that, you know, they, they've really worked on the past couple of years. Uh, you know, we, we talk about the 2018 and their their lack of turnovers. And instead of fixing the secondary, the Niners really put a focus on that front four. And, and it's worked. Uh, I got one last question. Uh, and if you guys want, we could take some questions afterwards from the chat. Uh, if you guys have some time to stick around. Um, one of the more surprising things, at least to me, uh, was with, with all the you know injuries and COVID issues at the cornerback position, Ambry Thomas was running with the ones, uh, at least earlier in the week. I don't know if that's that was the case today. Uh, how has he looked? And, and do you think that this could be I – th- I think it's obvious – they, they view him this high, but do you think this is something that, that could be a trend that where maybe Ambry Thomas jumps some people, you know, in the depth chart that we didn't expect? Uh, Jason, I'll, just, I'll start with you. Just go left or right. So uh, cornerback depth has been my concern. We did our cornerback position preview, and I told you that it's going to get hairy after Emmanuel Mosley. It's hairy. It's very hairy right now. B.W. Webb was brought in. Ambry Thomas has not jumped up to the place that you would think with these reps unfortunately i would have to say that lenore is far and away ahead of him at this point the problem becomes when you look at the draft capital for Ambry thomas third round pick problem very big problem okay so let's play devil's advocate hey he didn't play last year he opted out maybe he's trying to get back in Problem is, I see him losing to too many other people. Listen, you lose to Brandon Ayuk, you lose to Debo Samuel, who have been incredible in this camp. That's no slight, but it seems to be other people that are getting the better of him. Lenore has been able to be more consistent in coverage. So this is the problem. Right now, with Emmanuel Mosley on COVID, Tim Harris was literally cut right after I got off of 95.7 talking about, like, maybe he can work himself back. Nope, cut. Maybe he'll he'll make his way back, Um, you know, through, through the injury designation. But... Uh, the cornerback depth is going to be tested. Unfortunately, as of right now, this has been seven days of practice. Ambry Thomas hasn't exactly stood out, in my opinion. Um, Ken Webster actually had a very good day today. He was the one who actually uh, took the reps over at cornerback two. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens when B.W. Webb is brought in. You know, we have uh, Drake Kirkpatrick coming in, leaving without a deal. Um, but the cornerback room, I am very nervous. Look, I, I want every Thomas to work out. But when you start to compare third round pick, it's not going the way that you thought it would within the first seven days when it comes to Ambry Thomas. Jordan, do you have the same concerns as Jason with Ambry Thomas? Yeah, you know, he – I think Jason made a good point about talking about Tim Harris real quick because I think we can – you know, Tim Harris was – I, I like to be out of college, right? He's been in the system for almost three full – you know, it's been on, it's been three years now, I think. And I think the 49ers reached a point where they were comfortable kind of – I know he had some injury issues. Maybe it was just a similar situation to DJ Reed last year. But I also wouldn't be surprised if they were like, you know what, we've seen enough. Like, this just isn't improving. Um, and they're able to let him go. Obviously, with Thomas, he's going to struggle a little bit as a rookie – um, and they don't have that same leeway, but I don't think that Thomas has been better than Tim Harris was in all the practices I watched. Like I thought Tim Harris played better than he did. And he ended up getting cut. The only difference is obviously that Ambry Thomas is a rookie. He's going to have to work through some of these things, but if I'm keeping it, you know, completely, completely honest here, I don't think he's looked very good at all. I think that he's been uh, beat repeatedly. I think that he has had, um, a few issues when he's been asked to play man coverage, which was kind of his thing coming out. Uh, I watched a lot of his tape at Michigan. He looked good in press man, but he also had some issues there in some games. And um, I'd be lying if I said that I was not concerned about that, but I also don't think that he's going to be thrust into a prominent role right away. So as for your question about him jumping other guys, uh, it would take a long string of injuries for that to happen, in my opinion. Uh, his performance certainly doesn't um, uh, doesn't indicate that. 
to me. I don't think that he's a guy that the coaches are going home about, you know, ecstatic about. But again, it's the first week of camp. The guy's a rookie. I'm not sitting here telling you he can't be a good NFL player. I'm not sitting here saying I don't, I don't think he's a good NFL player. If we're just basing it on the one week of practice that I've seen with my own eyes, I don't think that he's been very good personally. Um, so, yeah, that's that'd just be my honest assessment of it. Perfect. And I like the honesty. Uh We'll take questions after Brad's answer. If you guys have some uh, about really whatever you want, Brad, well, what, what's your view on Ambry Thomas and then the secondary depth as all, or the defensive back as uh, depth as all? Um, I w- I would have to echo as much as I can of what these two gentlemen just said about Ambry Thomas. Um, I did get to see uh, he had a decent rep in one one versus ones against Brandon Ayuk today. He was able to make sure Brandon Ayuk didn't come down with the ball. But other than that, there really hasn't been anything from Ambry Thomas that has warranted um, anything to, to make him pop, if you will. Um, I will be honest, I've been spending a lot of time on the offensive line, so I haven't given the defensive backs the due diligence that they deserve. Um, but I will echo that every time I do peek and I take a look, I see him behind or you know, not in the right position that he needs to be. I do see the traits. I see I see the traits that he's an athletic guy who can put himself in a position, but it looks like the, the game is moving pretty fast for him right now, and he just needs to, to slow it down and get acclimated to the NFL game. Perfect. Yeah, you know, hand up personally. I don't know a ton on Avery Hombus, so I'm not going to throw in it too much into this conversation. I was just, I was surprised to see his name getting those first first uh, team reps. Uh, I know they've had a lot of injuries. Uh, Rob AP has a good question. Uh, something I probably should have asked, but uh, thoughts on Trace Trey Sermon and Elijah Mitchell? Uh, Jordan, I'll, I'll start with you. Yeah, um, I think both have looked good. Uh, Sermon's getting a lot of reps with the first team, so they clearly see something that they like there. Uh, I think, you know, the fact that they traded up uh, in in the third round, which is still pretty early in my opinion to take a running back, and you're trading up for one, uh, you'd hope they had some sort of plan for him. So it appears that they want him to kind of be that, um, not comparing them as players, but take that kind of Tevin Coleman role. Uh, The year they went to the Super Bowl, Tevin Coleman was the guy coming out in the first drive in most games. Um, was getting that kind of, you know, was close to a starter as you can be in Kyle Shanahan's system where he's going to basically ride the hot hand every week. Uh, but he's looked really good. The biggest thing with Trey Sermon is that he runs with a tremendous amount of balance. So when he is um, bouncing off of defenders or hitting contact, running through holes, he's very good at maintaining a low center of gravity. And when it looks like he's falling forward or getting tackled, brought down, whatever, he is really good at somehow finding a way to stay on his feet. And what it reminds me of, and again, I'm not comparing the player. I'm just saying this reminds me of, reminds me a lot of Frank Gore. Frank Gore never was the fastest guy. He never was the biggest guy. <laughs> but he, um, he always had a way of turning what looked like it would be a small gain into a big, you know, a big chunk run. Uh, always was really good at kind of driving his hand into the ground as he was falling forward and staying on his feet. And I see the same thing from Trey Sermon. Uh, he also looks like a good receiver when they're running these one-on-one drills out of the backfield. Uh, he's looked really good. But speaking of receiving, that's where Elijah Mitchell has really shined in my eyes. He's looked great coming out of the backfield as a receiver. Um, I think excluding Kyle Juszczyk, um, if we're talking strictly running backs and not just out of the backfield, but running backs specifically, Elijah Mitchell has been the best receiver out of that group. And he's looked explosive uh, in and out of his cuts. He looks great with the ball in his hands. And if he's able to get into space, um, the Niners run a lot of uh, choice routes out of the backfield 
where you kind of go base, you, uh, the route is dictated by the positioning of the linebacker or safety, whoever's down in the box covering. So when you get a guy like Mitchell who has an explosive twitch to get open and then create a lot of space, you'll start to see a play like Niners fans will remember last year that um, first play on the second drive when Raheem Mostert beat Isaiah Simmons on the Cardinals and took a 70, I think it was 75 yard touchdown to the house. Mitchell is a guy that has that same kind of home run speed and that threat to um, break off big chunk plays every time he has the ball in his hands. Um, Sermons look better as a runner. Mitchell's look better as a receiver. That would be kind of the sum, summer, the summary of my um, observations this past week. Brad, do you have similar thoughts or what, what's your thoughts on the two rookie running backs? I feel like uh, Jordan did a great job of uh, – explaining his traits from a balance standpoint it's very true it looks like you could just hit him a bunch of different times and he's just going to bounce and he's just going to stay stay on point and stay on his feet but he also runs and what I'm seeing is he just looks violent Um, something that I haven't seen out of a 49ers running back in some time even with Frank Gore he was a run it between the tackles you know run you over kind of a guy as well but there's just a different element in this feeling that I get from Sermon where he just he's just violent he's violent in his route running he's violent with the way he juice and is in and out of his cuts he's violent when he goes and catches the ball he's just, he's just violent um so I'm really excited to see what that looks like in a game time situation um Trey Sermon very well could be the starting running back for this team just a couple weeks in that like like these guys have already alluded to they came out splitting reps with Moster. Mostert has had a couple big drops um, in individual drills and team drills. Um, And that's something to keep an eye on where Trey Sermon has not. Trey Sermon has caught everything that has came his way. He's routing up linebackers. He's, and we know he can run between the tackles. So what Trey Sermon is showing is that he's showing you that he can do it all. And then Elijah Mitchell as well. He's like, I called him uh, Raheem Mostert's little brother the other day. They kind of have that same skill set in the sense they got the one cut ability. They're going to see, they're going to be patient at the line of scrimmage, find the hole and it's one cut and they're gone. Um, They're not going to do a lot of dancing. They're not going to do a lot of playing and, and juking in the, in the, in the, between the tackles. But once they find it and they want to hit it, they're gone. And that four, three, four, two, four, three speed, you see it. So Elijah Mitchell also been very strong uh, catching out of the backfield is route running. Again, the speed just aids them in everything. So those two guys are going to be players. I can't, I can't imagine uh, the 49ers letting those two go at all. And then, Jason, we, we, we've talked about the, the Mitchell Sermon thing already. Uh, has it added to your excitement uh, for the running back position? Uh, well, what's your feel on the two? Yeah, you know what's funny is, uh, you know, there's nothing more that I can explain that these two gentlemen haven't already explained. But what I will say is that uh, Trey Sermon is very underrated in the receiving aspect, kind of like how Brad alluded to. It's it's almost slept on how good he is out of the backfield as well. But Elijah Mitchell, I'm going to I guess this is the hill that I'm choosing to die on from training camp is the best receiving back on this team. Uh, even with Kyle Juszczyk, it's just about the burst right afterwards. It's about the burst, uh, getting the ball in his hands. He's he's clearing separation on these one on ones, even with Drake Greenlaw who was a, a converted safety and and being able to have all that grass in front of him to, to have that home run hitting ability. So the 49ers did a great job 
knocking out these running backs. Trey Sermon is exactly that bell cow that they've been looking for. And like Jordan alluded to, it's going to be a 1A, 1B role where Tevin Coleman might take the first few snaps, but Raheem Mostert comes in again like Kyle Shanahan is a boxer. He he lines up that jab with Trey Sermon, and then he hits you with the haymaker, which is Raheem Mostert. So uh, you have to be excited with both of these guys' progress. But Elijah Mitchell, every time he touches the ball, it's like he's shot out of a cannon. He always looks like he has the ability to take it to the house, and uh, I'm uh, I'm I'm really uh, excited for their prospects going forward. Hey Brad, I got two offensive linemen question for you in the chat right now. Brandon Greenlaw wants to know if there's any progress on the battle for right guard between Banks, McKivitz, and Compton, and then Christopher Johnson says he knows it's early, but if any of you notice a different vibe or cohesiveness with the offensive line with Alex Mack at center, answer whichever one you want to answer first, and then just go on to the second one. First of all, Brandon Greenlaw, great question. Absolutely great question. Applaud to you for, for putting some onus on the offensive line because we had a big development happen today um, at right guard. All throughout camp, it's been run skill at right guard. And it hasn't wavered. We haven't seen Aaron, and Aaron Banks has been the second string right guard. Aaron Banks hasn't taken one singular first team rep. Well, today in walkthroughs, when they're doing their install, I'm, of course, watching the offensive line, seeing what's changing. I'm looking to see if Aaron Banks is getting any run with the first team. And as I go and look over, there's Colton McKivitz in the right guard spot where Brunskill has been holding it down. For context, McKivitz has been playing left tackle with the second team unit. So now today, out of nowhere, he is the starting right guard and Brunskill is moved to the second string center. Aaron Banks is still the second string right guard. So it was a wild development to see. Um, and I, I, I want to see the rest of the week of how this plays out, because I think it's something that we need to pay attention to, um, because that's huge. We're, we're seeing a, a, a change in the starting unit. It's one of the most obvious changes of camp so far. Um, and so it's going to be really interesting to see what that's all about. Uh, a part of me feels like that the backup center, Jake Brendel, is just having a really, really, really tough practice. And it could partially be because Trey's running with the second offensive line to get him a center that is serviceable. So that could be a part of it. Um, but it, it is it is something very interesting to monitor because Colton McKivitz goes from second team left tackle to surplanting Brunskill uh, after the first padded practice. And I'm not going to pretend like Brunskill had a great practice and it's uh, the first day of pads, but he was still doing his job. Um, so that's something to monitor. And the second question was about the vibe, I believe, with Alex Mack. Um, now with the center, it's completely different. It's 100% different. Um, I remember going on a podcast with Leo Luna and uh, Niner Nate uh, to talk about offensive line, I think back in February, and they're like, well, wh what are some of the issues? And I was like, the biggest issue was the center and the inconsistent play at center and having centers, too, that don't know what they're doing, don't know how to read protections, don't know how to communicate across the line, and it affects everyone else. Well, now we're seeing what it looks like when you have an elite center. So I've seen multiple plays where Alex Mack is stopping the play mid-play calling out the defense and changing the protection. On top of that, let's say Lankin or Brunskill got beat. Alex Mack is right there every single time. 
to pick up and help. That's what we were missing last year. We were missing that center that could just help and pick up the free-flowing backer, the, the guy stunting around. We just didn't have that. So that's the huge takeaway. And on top of that, I think we all kind of believe that Kinlaw will be taking his next step forward in the league this year. Alex Mack owned him day one of pads, completely owned him. First snap, pancake, second snap, snap. Those two were in a brawl, tussled up, fighting, had to be separated. And if you're a fan of trench play, you're a fan of offensive D-lineman play, that should be music to your ears because those are two guys that are battling and grinding. Mack is only going to make Kinlaw better. Kinlaw is only going to make Mack better. Jordan saw it um, when Kinlaw just planted Mack on his back later in the day. So I'm really excited. Jordan, Jason, we're all really excited with what mm -hmm. we've seen from Alex Mack, and it's changed the entire vibe. Yeah, and when, when Brad talks about offensive line, I, I've learned you need to listen. Uh, he, he is the 49er expert on offensive line. Uh, go give him a follow at the SF 40 or at the SF Niners for sure. Uh, we're at about 50 minutes here, guys. Uh, I'm going to close it out with one last question. I'll start with Jason. We'll just wrap it around uh, to, to end it. Uh, is there anything we, we didn't talk about this show that you you're just dying to get out that you want to, you know, get out there to, and be known, uh, Jason? Yes. Jimmy Ward is elite and people don't test him. Jason Verrett and Brandon Ayuk is literally like, Floyd Mayweather and whatever contender who's actually a really fighter, that, that is primetime money. He has taken that challenge on. He's been incredible. And I think that the 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 surprise of D4, this is this is this this cannot be understated. No one could have, after seven days of camp, seen that D Ford was gonna be the one who was actually in pads in 11 on 11s. This was something that was almost like, man, if you get anything from him, then you're excited. Right now, you're getting more than just anything from D. Ford, and he looks good. There's plenty of plays where Trey's rolling out of the pocket, and he's the one setting the edge, sending him out to the to out of bounds. D. Ford looks good, and 49er fans should be excited about those prospects, even though it is only seven days into camp. Jordan, anything we did we didn't talk about you want to touch on? Um, I'm trying to think. Um, you know. I think that the, the main thing is just that the depth of the team, I know everybody's focused on the quarterbacks, but I think regardless of where you stand on this Trey Lance, Jimmy Garoppolo debate, the rest of the team looks so good top to bottom. And I'm not trying to say that they're better than the team that almost won a Super Bowl, but I think top to bottom, you could make the argument that one through 53, this team is stronger than that team in 2019 that um, went to Super Bowl 54. And I think that's a very exciting prospect because Regardless, again, where you stand on the quarterback battle, I think either one puts the Niners in a position where they can win games week in and week out because the rest of the team is so strong. And um, I just want to add two real quick. I didn't think that the Alex Mack signing would be as impactful as it was. And the second pads went on. It was very clear how good he looked. Brad is the offensive line guru, so there's nothing I can add that he didn't already. I would just say that it was very evident to me, even somebody as a casual observer who doesn't understand the intricacies of offensive line play the way he does, it was very evident the impact that he had and the ripple effect it had on making the rest of the line look really good as well. So the trenches for both sides of the team, I think, would be the strength. If you're looking at this, the you know um, strongest units of this team going into the year, it's the offensive and defensive lines collectively, and it's that's where you win in the National Football League. So uh, I think that will bode very well for them. And, Brad, we'll wrap it up with you, the closer. We're calling him in. Uh, what, what's something you, you want to talk about that that wasn't touched on today? Um, 
to, to piggyback, of course, you know, I watched trenches pretty much primarily the last three days, so I'll just stick there. Um, to echo off what Jordan said, yeah, it's it's been a sight to see. 49er fans should be pretty darn excited about how they are building from the inside out on this team. But the biggest development, in my opinion, has been Aaron Banks. Um, Aaron Banks is someone I was – I didn't know necessarily who he was when we drafted him, but once we got into the tape, once we started doing our study, got really excited really quickly with how good and the potential that we saw from Aaron Banks at Notre Dame. But I will say in the last three days, um, I would say he has left a little bit to be desired. Um, for example, his first, his first play today of team period was a false start. Um, a lot of the situations that he's been in in regards to team periods, he's lost a couple, a couple reps. Um, more so than I would say he's won. So I'm not sitting here again, pounding the table, like saying, let's, let's sound the alarm. Like, you know, the second round pick might not look as good as we would have hoped. Again, the offensive line is a very difficult position to play, especially making the transition from college to the NFL. Again, you're playing against Kinlaw. And again, I just got done talking earlier about how, solid we are on the interior defensive line and you're just seeing a young kid struggle so I would say though it is I don't see a path forward where he's starting early in this year I see a guy who needs some seasoning needs to allow the game to slow down of course he's learning a new playbook could be learning new new techniques that he might might be doing a little differently from Notre Dame so that that stuff takes time I like to tell people you know when I was playing you know, the kick step, the pass set, it took me an entire year of repping it every single day in practice to get it down how it should be. So sometimes it just takes time and with those things. So I'm not overly concerned, but however, I did think he was going to push Brunskill for that starting right, right guard job. And it's pretty interesting to see McKivitz take that today and not think. Well, there you guys have it. Uh, Brad, Jordan, we obviously appreciate you guys joining. You guys are always welcome on the show. Uh, just text us. And even if it's in the middle of an episode, we'll just toss you in and make it work. Uh, we really appreciate it. Hopefully uh, everybody learned a little bit of something. Uh, it's it's been, a very, it's been a very fun week. And as I've been kind of talking about the past couple of weeks with Jason on the pod is like, we're starting to get the football season. We're starting to get the football season. Now we're pretty much there. Uh, preseason's coming up here, I think very soon I, I don't know exactly i've been so preoccupied with the giants that i, I i'm not even 100 sure the first preseason game for the niners but it, it's camp we're getting there uh brad jordan thank you very much as always and jason as always as he unmutes his mic let's go niners and don't say anything about the yankees i won't this time i promise all right <laughs>